0: So on election night, which also happened to be the first night, or the tip-off, you might say, of the college basketball season, Ann Coulter tweeted, Kansas is dead to me. Now, most people probably assumed she was talking about the gubernatorial election in Kansas, which went Democratic. But maybe, just maybe, she had Kansas minus five and a half and was wondering, why couldn't they cover that spread when leading by double digits for most of the game against Michigan State? The rest of the way. Double bonus as That's well. That's right. Two free throws. Both teams will be on the double bonus, so we'll have two the rest of the way.
1: Hey, and we are co back with the latest episode of the Double Bonus podcast. We we missed you for a little bit, but now we've had six days of games to talk about, and so many much more to go. Uh, I'm Brennan Derosia with Tom Borstein, your co-hosts. Um, remember to follow us if you want to follow us on Twitter at, at doublebonuspod. If you want to email us, it's doublebonuspod at gmail.com. Our website is doublebonuspod.com. And so we just want to thank you and welcome you and all six or seven, maybe nine of you who are listening. Um, we're excited about the college basketball season getting underway, even though our teams are, have had some mixed results. Well, my team has had some mixed results. Um, and you know, what I like about most of the, about this part of the season, tom is that everything that you see could be something like there's so little that has happened so far that a guy has a big game or a team has struggles or this team does something on defense that's different all of that could be part of this trend that is a defining thing of the season or it could be absolutely nothing so i think that's one of the cool parts about this time of year that every little thing you can grab onto and be like what Is is that a thing? And then you look back in March and you're like, what? What was? I really thought that Kentucky wasn't good on defense because of what happened against Duke. So anyway, what are your thoughts, Tom? As we start off,
0: first of all, it sounds like it could be a good song. Like everything could be a thing. They should, yeah. Could be a could be your next country music hit, but no, I think you're right. We have a lot of new faces too that come up, and new and transfers that we've talked about, and so everyone's popping up in new places. Like, is it really going to work? Is you know, is Reed Travis really going to have trouble gelling with Kentucky, or are we going to laugh at that in March? It's a great it's a great point. Everything's there yet. We have basically most teams have played two games so far, one or two games, and so you really don't know what is real and what is not, and that's sometimes annoying when you analyze things, but it's also sometimes fun. So I I like that you embrace the fun part of it.
1: Yeah, and, and the best part is we've started off with our worst possible picks, so we can only get better from here. I think yeah. I think we were 3-11 and 11 or each or something like that. Anyway, okay. we can review those when we get to that time. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> anyway, let's start with the Champions Classic. I know that happened, by the time you listen to this, at least six days ago. Um, but it, it still is the story of the first week of the College of Basketball season because of what happened in Game 2. Um, you know, Game 1, we thought... The Kansas result, even though they kind of backed in, uh, actually there was a backdoor cover for Michigan State, as uh, Tom referenced in our cold open. That you know that was a solid performance. We thought that would be part of the story, but then it was completely overwhelmed by an overwhelming performance by Duke, where the three freshmen, RJ Barrett, Zion Williamson, and Cam Reddish, were outstanding and won won 118 to 84. What were your thoughts about this opening night slacking?
0: Well, first of all, it's amazing that Kentucky gave up 118 points in a 40-minute game. Like Kentucky is going to be good, they may not be as good as people thought, but they're going to be good. So the fact that Duke was able to play that tempo and score 118 points on them and win by that margin, 34 points, is insane. And you mentioned Barrett, Zion, Williamson, and Reddish. They combined for 83 points. It was, you know, amazing to see those guys just step on the court their first college game in a big atmosphere and just take over. And so obviously Duke is very scary uh, for the rest of the country. And the Kentucky game later against Southern Illinois didn't make it look as good for Duke, but I still think Duke is going to be really scary, obviously, all year. And uh, yeah, that's basically, it was basically a shock to see a team. Remember, Kentucky came in ranked higher than Duke in that game. It was just a shock to see Duke just take them to the woodshed like that.
1: Yeah, it, it seemed like Kentucky was poised with more veteran experience, with a good defense, seemingly very long team, with some bigs down low, um, to really give Duke some problems, and it turned out to be the exact opposite. Uh, I do think you know, Duke did not play particularly well against Army the next game. Uh, the halftime score of that was 50-42 uh, to 42 against not a very good Army team. They gave up 0.9 points per possession um, in that game, although Zion Williamson was terrific again with 11 for thirty team in the field, uh, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 6 blocks. Sorry, 16 yeah. rebounds. <laughs> um no big deal. The one thing about this Duke team that I think is a little bit different than the previous teams, and, and I've heard this and I I've said it, I don't think on the podcast, but so we, the last, this is like the third straight year that Duke has had a ton of freshmen, maybe even more than that. But I, I really, I guess, you know, in, let's go back to 2015. They won the title in 2015, and they had as their freshmen, Tyus Jones, Jaleel Okafor, Justice Winslow, and Grayson Allen. Uh, but they also had Quinn Cook. They also had. Um, Emile Jefferson and Matt Jones. So not really a full freshman team. The next year, 2015-16, they had Brandon Ingram and Luke Kennard and Derek Thornton uh, and Chase Jeter, who uh, transferred. is uh, not Arizona this year. But they also had a senior in Mason Plum Marshall Plumley, one of the Plumleys. They had two pros in a plum- plumley, Let's face it. <laughs> uh, Too many Plumleys. <laughs> Grayson Allen was a sophomore and Matt Jones was a junior. So again, this is not like a, a freshman dominant team. Although freshmen were really important to them. Uh, and then in 2017, we, we really saw the first of, like, full-on freshmen, it felt like to me, with Jason Tatum, uh, Frank Jackson, Harry Giles, although he was hurt, and didn't play that much. Marcus Bolden was hurt, and didn't play that much. That team was preseason number one, underachieved, ended up losing to South Carolina in the second round. Um, obviously, Luke Kennard had a big year, and Grayson Allen was had a good year as well and ended up being major parts of that team, along with Matt Jones and Neil Jefferson. But that team underachieved, they're entering the year in, in Ken Palm, and I believe in the AP poll number one. So then in 2018, last year, that was basically a full freshman team. You had Grayson Allen, the senior, but then it was Marvin Bagley, Trayvon Duvall, um, Wendell Carter, and Gary Trent. Um, So basically, of your top five players, four were freshmen. All four left after the year, and and Grayson Allen, of course, left as a senior. And that team also was preseason number one, I'm pretty sure. They ended up being... um, a two seed in the NCAA tournament and falling just short of the uh, Final Four to Kansas, and and they seem to be ultimately kind of underachieving most of the year. They did finish strong, winning six, five of the last six games, six of the last seven games, and during the ACC tournament. So a lot of people this year, I guess myself included, because I didn't going them go to the Final Four, were like, well, here we go again. They have another set of freshmen, and they don't even have as good returners as they had in the past. There's no Grayson Allen on this team. The one thing. And I'll stop rambling in a second. The one thing about this Duke team that is a little bit different than those teams is that you have, one, a true point guard for the first time since probably Tyus Jones. Um, And two, that's in Trey Jones, his brother. And two, all of your top freshmen, the top three guys, Barrett, Reddish, and Williamson, are really good passers. And that was true before they played Kentucky. That was true in the scouting reports, and people were saying that they actually share the ball pretty well. So who knows what will happen between now and March, but... The big difference between this Duke team and other teams is that they move the ball really well. The Jason Tatum, Luke Kennard team maybe didn't move the ball that well. And then even last year's team with uh, Gary Trent and Mar- Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter and Trayvon Duval point guard of course, that was kind of a disaster. This, this team's ability to move the ball on offense, I think, makes it play older and seem and and more ready for this kind of challenge as it turned out.
0: Yeah, definitely. And also. If you're going to, as Coach K's probably taken some time to get used to the idea of playing with these one-on-dones, he may not have wanted, felt comfortable doing it from the start. And now he's gotten, possibly, it may not happen, but possibly three of the, to the top, literally the top three picks in next year's NBA draft. So if you're going to rely on freshmen, you may as well rely on the three best ones in the country now. They'll probably go like, probably. what's the worst case, that they go three in the top six or top seven if they, they're well, stock balls?
1: Yeah, entering the season, I think most people thought that um, Barrett would go first, if not first, second, or third, you know, they'd be in the top three. And most people thought that Williamson would be in the top five. I thought, I think that some thought Reddish might fall, could fall as far as like eight or 10. Um, He had the reputation in high school of kind of showing up some nights and not other nights, showing up some halves and not other halves, and kind of just not playing that all that hard now that could change when you're on a college campus and you're playing with all these great players it might be very different and certainly has played well so far, but you know, over the course of 35 games, I guess we'll see whether uh, um, Cam Reddish has, um, has it on? Has the motor running every single night? We know that he can pass. He's probably the best shooter of the three. He's really uh, kind of a big guy who can handle the ball. Well, not a true big, but like a tall person who can handle the ball. People compare him to like Lamar Odom, only probably a better shooter than Odom was in college. I mean, no doubt a better shooter than Odom was at University of Rhode Island.
0: Yeah. What do you think?
1: What do you think of your Jayhawks in the uh, in the first game of that uh, Champions Classic?
0: Well, I was watching that. I was at an election. I wouldn't call it a party, but a gathering. So I was watching on my iPad and I thought they looked pretty good. I think their defense was very good against Michigan state. They forced 18 turnovers and they basically limited Michigan state shots. I'll talk about the Kansas offense in a second, but Michigan state, they shot the ball, what, like 36, they had only 36, two point attempts. And they only got rebounded, um, 19% of their misses, which is not very good for them. And, then they forced the turnovers. We talked. To Cassius Winston had five turnovers that game, and Kansas defense was pretty good. They've been slipping a little bit Bill, under Bill Self the last few years, so it's nice to see him get back to the type of defense that he uh, that he coached for like, his first basically 10 years at Kansas. And then offense, what's not to like? They like Diedrich Lawson. He had a double double. He played really well. Uh, Devin Donson and Quentin Grimes are two highly touted freshman guards. were playing well in the backcourt, and then Legerald Vick was fine. And obviously, Azubuki, when he's on the court, he only played 20 minutes. When he's on the court, he's unstoppable. And the free throw situations can be a problem for Kansas, possibly. That's the only liability. But... um... They played really well. The other thing I really liked is their depth. Last year, Kansas didn't play 10 guys until, their, I think, their 11th game of the season against Omaha. In the first half of this game, Kansas, everybody played scored, and they played 10 guys. So, obviously, Mitch Lightfoot and David McCormick aren't going to be the deciding factors for Kansas this year, but it's nice that they can feel like they can cheat and give those guys some minutes in the first half, rather than going 7 or 8 deep, like they did uh, for most of last year.
1: Yeah, and Silvio D'Souza's uh, being held out uh, right. pending FBI investigations. You know, I thought that... Lawson had a good game, obviously. Um, Six assists is interesting to see. He didn't even have a good shooting game, and he still was um, relatively efficient and and very effective. Uh, The two freshman guards were exceptional, I thought, especially Quentin Grimes. Um, Dotson had four turnovers, which wasn't great. But Quentin Grimes, um, six three-pointers made, uh, 21 points to lead uh, all scorers. Um, you know, you had talked about Azubuki. It looks like they can probably go small late if they need to by playing uh, K.J. Lawson or Marcus Garrett along with um, uh, Diedrich Lawson, Dotson, Vic, and uh, Grimes if they want to take Azubuki out or if a team goes small. But Azubuki is now such a dominant potential force um, in the paint, both defensively and offensively, that it's um, that's something that, uh, I don't know, maybe since... I'm trying to think of the last uh, Jeff Whitey
0: Whitey Jeff, w- w- Withy. Withy? Withy. Whitey is how Charles Barkley pronounced it. So you're in good company, yeah. but it's no, Jeff. I think Withy, it's actually yeah.
1: Shack. It was a Oh Shack.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: that's my that's my problem. I watch too much. Uh, waking up Friday mornings watching uh, <laughs> that show. For Michigan State, you know, uh, like we mentioned, they have the backdoor cover. They were trailing most of the game by double digits. Um, Cassius Winston had a Cassius Winston kind of game. He had a lot of assists he, he you know he scored a figures but then he also had five turnovers and he missed five of his six two-pointers and i think that's a problem he's probably their best player um, but that's a problem when he can't really score down low and he still turns the ball over nick ward i've always been a nick ward fan but he was terrible um, five turnovers two of eight shooting from the field five of ten shooting from the free throw line um, it was really uh, Kenny Goins, uh, Josh Langford that did a good job for them. Matt McQuaid had a pretty good game, although he's a low usage player. Foster Lawyer, who I thought might be interesting, didn't really do anything. I mean, a six foot guard, you can't really play him with Winston together against a, a backcourt that has you know Grimes at six five and Dotson at six two and. Um, LaGerald Vick is 6'5". It's hard to play a two six-footers against that backcourt. Um, I do think Michigan State will be good this year, but I'm a little bit less optimistic just because it seems like Nick Ward... I mean, it's only one game and he was facing Azubuki, but I'm a little less optimistic that Nick Ward is going to be um, take a leap like I thought he was maybe a week or two ago.
0: Yeah, and the other thing I'd be discouraged if I were a Michigan State fan is I know they closed it, but they were down... This game was in complete control for Kansas pretty much the entire game. They trailed by as many as 17. They were down double digits pretty early in the first half. Um, Kansas never really blinked out. At, at the end, of course, it was a three-point game, but Kansas had the ball and they made their free throws. So it was nice them to battle back. But I'd much rather, if I were a coach, I'd much rather have a team hang tough for 35 minutes than have the other team pull away to kind of close a gap and make them nervous in three minutes. I think it's a better sign. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy with how Kansas played. And Michigan State was okay i guess and we'll see i mean it's a, <laughs> kansas was the preseason number one team in the country they got dumped to number two which we will not talk about later but really but um they're not uh, bad they're not bad yeah so you know it's let's not kill michigan state for and i don't think we are but I, i'd just be reluctant to kill michigan state or draw too much a conclusion too big a conclusion from the preseason you know number one team in the country
1: it's like i said we need corrobor- corroborating evidence there's we've had a small bits of evidence from a lot of teams. Um, and I think, speaking of Duke we and the top 25 and small amounts of evidence, uh, they did leapfrog Kansas. Um, Kansas was preseason number one. Duke was preseason what, number four. Um, and they moved up to number one after their uh, really astoundingly good performance against Duke. You can't, against Kentucky, you can't really argue with that performance. And, you know, a, a solid but not spectacular and not great, not really that good performance against Army um what what are you You have some historical background for the likelihood of someone leapfrogging the number one team in the first week like that
0: yeah so it's only happened three times prior to this year where the team has been number one not lost and been replaced atop the rankings it happened in 1977-78 unc was replaced by kentucky uh, the most recent time before this was in 1983-84 unc was again re- replaced by kentucky but the one that jumped out at me was the 1980 81 Kentucky team was preseason number one. And then DePaul leapfrogged them, took over the number one spot after beating Louisville in their first game of the season, which, you know, people kind of forget about that DePaul team in the early 80s. But I know, Brendan, you uh, have not forgotten about it. You spent some quality time with YouTube with the uh, DePaul Blue Demons from the 1980s.
1: Yeah, well, I mean DePaul's member the Big, Big East. Uh, they finished in last or they are next to last in the Big East um, every year since it was reconstituted. And before that, they'd had I, th- I, think one good team that had Wilson Chandler and Sammy Mejia that went to the Elite Eight of the, uh, NIT. I believe they lost at Air Force by three. You can you can check my facts on that one. That was under <laughs> Coach Jerry w- Wainwright. Um, but in the, in the 70s and 80s, uh, DePaul was a national power. Um, they went to the NCAA tournament 1, 2, 3, 6, 7, 8, 9, 14 times in 17 years from um, 76 to 92. They went to the Final Four in 79, the one, one of the weirdest Final Fours you'll ever see with DePaul, Penn, Indiana State, and Michigan State when, of course, Magic Johnson um, and the Spartans defeated the Sycamores <clears throat> in Indiana State. Um, and then they had number one seeds the following three years. And actually, four of the following five years. But they lost in the second round the next three years. And the second round, I'm pretty sure, is like the first round of the tournament each of those years. So in 80, 81, 81, the uh, year are talking about is 81, 82, or 80, 81, Tom?
0: Uh, the t- year you know I'm talking about is 80, 81.
1: Yeah, so 80, 81 is the middle year of those three, where they start they finish the year as number one seeds. And preseason, um, the second year, like you mentioned, they were second, and then they moved into first. Um, those Rod Strickland was on uh, some of those teams they had in the 80s there. Uh, Mark Aguirre, I think, was the first pick overall in the draft. He they were was coached by Ray Meyer for years and years and years in Chicago, replaced by his son Joey Meyer, who had less success, replaced by Pat Kennedy, who brought in um, some good players, but they didn't get past the first round of the tournament, replaced by Dave Leto, who got to the second round of the tournament one year. I think they... And they beat Dayton in an 8-9 game as I was riding in a car to, like, Georgia from Chicago. Um, and then Leto left for Virginia, got promoted because he had, a, you know, a couple of good years there. Jerry Wainwright came in. Um, they got worse pretty much every year. I guess his second year was the good one they had in the Big East, 2006 Oliver Purnell came in uh, after kind of... Getting out before the wolves in, at Clemson and and was not good and now Dave Lattau has been there for four years again and he has not been good. Um, you know DePaul I think is much better now than they were. I guess their nadir was probably um, from 2008-09 to 2016-17. That like nine year stretch. Um, they only won more than two games and three games in the Big East once in that whole stretch and that was six and 12 in 2014-15. Um, so I think that they're past that, uh, but they're still not good. Although they do have uh, Max Struess, and he's a fun name to say, and he, he shoots a lot, so uh, we can see. I think they're playing Morgan State tonight.
0: Yeah, and don't forget Terry comments was also on those teams. He played in the NBA for a long time. I think he had like an 18-year NBA career. So, yeah, after the Final Four, they were still really good, but then they lost to UCLA in one of the years, in the quote-unquote, their first game of the tournament. And they also mm-hmm. lost to uh, St. Joe's. And, yeah, I think it was St. Joe's, actually, and then UCLA. So... It's tough, though, because that's already... That was effectively the round of... Counting backward, I think, round of 32, 32. basically. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. So they lost the old 1-8 game or 1-9 game, Benny. So, yeah. But, yeah
1: Mark, Mark is famously traded from the Mavericks to the Pistons for Adrian Dantley, uh, kind of a challenge trade back in the late 80s, and then the Pistons went on to win a couple titles. Um, McGuire, a Chicago kid like, um, I guess, Thomas was. Although of course, Thomas went... Uh, to indiana and won a national title uh, actually i think the year um i guess it was the year that um, they started they started number two when number one that was the year that um, indiana beat north carolina in the championship game right after ronald reagan was shot and they they considered postponing the game but they didn't
0: yeah but this is the type, this is the type of content you get on this show brendan most people would spend the last 10 minutes hand-wringing over whether duke should pass kansas for number one on november 12th no We don't care, because frankly, who cares? Like, they're both good. We'll figure it out later. But if we can spend a five-minute, you know, go down a five-minute rabbit hole about the 1980s DePaul teams, we have to do it. And talk about Ronald Reagan's assassination attempt, of course.
1: By uh, the would-be assassin.
0: Uh, Yeah, Hinckley.
1: Yeah, Hinckley. Um, I will say about the, um, not so much the polls themselves, but the people who vote in the polls... I people have these kind of like rules about how they decide to move teams up and down like the rule that I will not move a team down from number 1 if they don't lose uh, but they will move teams in other spots down if they don't lose like what are these rules like yeah. I mean I just don't understand. Like, who are you making these rules for? Like, what are your standards? Like, I think that's part of the problem with the, if the AP poll Once season starts. Before the season, it's like actually what people think in terms of who are the best teams are. And it might be wrong, but a lot of times it's right. But then in the season, it's just like flipping teams back and forth. You know, how do you, in basketball especially, move a team up and down, especially in a conference week when you go one and one? You know, like, what do you do with that? Yeah. Um, it's. I mean, it's fun. People like to see their team ranked. Providence got votes uh, last week, did not this week. We'll talk about that. But uh, yeah, anyway, it's a poll. People vote.
0: That's true. That's a good way to put it. People vote. And yeah, and preseason is way more important than probably the next six or seven polls. And honestly, it might might even be the most important poll from the year in predicting how teams do. So I know there have been articles about that. We don't need to go into that now. But yeah, I don't really care about the November 12th poll, who's in first and who's second.
1: Yeah. Okay, let's let's move on. Um, there are a couple conferences that got, have gotten off to rough starts this year. Um, I guess you put them in the high mid-major, or like that mid majory category. Um, the AAC is one of them. I, I, I'm less interested in that conference right now. Um, you know, we saw Cincinnati lose to Ohio State at home. We saw UCF lose to FAU. Um, and there were a few others, obviously, in there. But what I want to talk about is the A-10. The, you know, the A-10 is... Uh, along with the West Coast Conference and the Big East, those are the top non-football basketball conferences, and you know, in college basketball, and the A10 obviously has been gutted by a lot of um, teams leaving, whether it's Xavier, Temple, you know, we see, we saw um, Butler join the league for about a year, um, but at the same time. The last couple of years have actually been quite poor. I know Rhode Island made the tournament last year, so did Davidson. Rhode Island won a game, but they had one of their lowest Ken Palm ratings, maybe their lowest Ken Palm rating of the last of the Ken Palm era. This year, they're actually rated slightly higher, but they already have ten losses. Tuesday night, Penn lost to George Mason by one uh, at home. Also Tuesday night, Stony Brook beat George Washington by three in overtime. And what happened that game, Tom?
0: <laughs> well. Wow. George um, George Washington started the game on a 22-0 run and somehow lost the game, which is pretty hard to do you think about it. Stony Brook missed their first 18 shots. 18. 10 threes, by the way. 18 shots, though. You know what? We'll give you 22 points, miss miss 18 shots, and we'll beat you. At least it wasn't regulation. And then Stony Brook did go on to beat South Carolina, so Mm -hmm. it doesn't look as bad, but Mm -hmm. it's still bad. Yeah, and then also Tuesday, Temple beat LaSalle
1: by eight. Not a terrible loss. Um, On Wednesday, Bucknell was a pretty good team. Went at St. Bonaventure, team that the this NCAA tournament last year, but lost a lot of guys and won by three in overtime. Then we saw Siena, whom on Tuesday, Siena lost to Providence by 10. They played GW on Thursday and, um, and beat GW by eight. And then Friday, a bad, bad loss. Longwood beat Richmond by five. Friday, American beat George Mason overtime by three. Saturday, Fordham went down to Houston and lost to Houston Baptist by three. Also Saturday, Lafayette beat LaSalle by one. And on Sunday, not really a story at all, Virginia beat George Washington by 19. Um, you know, I think we don't overreact to early season results. I think the problem is that it's the A-10, which looked a little bit down this year already. It's going to make it really hard for those teams, and maybe it's none of these teams, but teams in the league who actually had a shot at an at large bid, like St. Louis, like Davidson, like maybe VCU. Um, I mean, St. Bonaventure was probably thought in that realm, you know, University of Rhode Island, maybe if they can keep it going after losing Dan Hurley and, uh, and a bunch of their seniors, those teams are going to have a hot, tough time because they're not going to be able to get these quality wins in conference. They're going to have to get do all their damage out of conference and against each other. And then when they play these other teams, they're going to have, um, they're not going to really boost their resumes at all. Now, we don't quite know how the net will differ from the RPI and the way that it will affect um, a, a team's net or a team's quality and strength of victory and loss, um, but it's not going to be that much different than the RPI and bad losses are going to hurt you no matter what even bad close losses uh, And so I think the A10 is in a position where I think I would say right now they're not going to get more than two bids. I'm just going to say um, it. Their, their their max right now is two bids the NCAA tournament, which is not where you want to be six days into the
0: season. No, I definitely think you're right with that. They're going to be struggling to get more than two teams in. Davidson's two and zero, oh, but they almost lost to Dartmouth at home, and Dartmouth stinks. So you have these you have these games. You got it. In these in these. For the, the tough thing about these mid majors is their teams are not well formed. They're just starting playing, but some of their most important games of the year are in this non conference schedule, and you really have to come out. You know, all systems go in these games because you're not going to make up your, your resume in the conference uh, conference play it's just not going to happen so you really got to get your scalps here and you ca- got to avoid your bad losses because those bad losses if they happen on November 12th they stay with you all year long and that's a that's gonna be a problem for some of these schools here
1: and that was certainly uh, an issue that we saw with Gonzaga and um, Wichita State over the years I think St. Mary's a little bit different case because St. Mary's has uh, traditionally not scheduled too t- too hard. Gonzaga and Wichita State um, had had difficulty, like they um, either getting good seeds or sometimes even getting left out of the tournament because or being at risk of being left out of the tournament if they didn't win their conference tournament late in the season um, because of early season losses. And knowing that at the time, the Missouri Valley, for Wichita State, now they're in the AAC, which is a, a better conference at least now that. Creighton and Wichita State have left the Missouri Valley. And then um, Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference, they weren't going to be able to get many impressive wins. So if they ended up being injured or like just having a bad weekend in one of these holiday tournaments or these one-off games, lost a few games they shouldn't have lost, then they're going into the conference knowing they have to run through the conference almost undefeated before losing in the conference tournament to get a, um, a bid or win the conference tournament. Or even if they win the conference tournament, they might end up with like a 7 or 8 or a 10 or 11 seed rather than a seed that would be fit their quality, which oftentimes with the Gonzaga and Wichita State in that realm was a, you know, anywhere from a one to a four or five.
0: Yeah, Wichita State in 2015, they played Kansas in the second round and beat them. And that was really, um, there were, it was a 2-7 game, and that was ridiculous that they were playing Kansas. This is a seven seed. They had three losses that year into the tournament. They lost to Utah, who was good that year, in overtime at Utah. They lost to George Washington in an neutral game, and they lost to Northern Iowa away in the beginning of the um uh the beginning of the season now they lost illinois state and in the, in the conference tournament game which probably hurt their chance and they probably would not have been a seventh seed had they not lost that game but that i mean and the ncaa has gotten smarter about seeding but the, there's still major booby traps all along the way for these schools and the small conferences they don't really get the chance to like just bag these big big time victories on the road twice a week or once or twice a week in uh, conference play
1: yeah, they, that Wichita State team entered the uh, NCAA tournament ranked eleventh in Ken Palm, but had a seven seed. And, um, and I was not
0: pleased with the draw. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and I think the following year, if I recall, um, maybe it was twenty seventeen. Yeah, twenty seventeen. They, um, I think they, what was their seed that year? They entered, they were ten seed, and they entered the NCAA tournament as the number five team in Ken Palm.
0: I'm not even yeah. joking. And that's the year they got Kentucky in the second round or, uh, yeah. yeah and, and lost three. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they were the five, they were the 10 seed. Dayton was the seven seed and they entered that game like literally like a seven point favorite. I mean, how do you feel if you're Dayton? Dayton that year had just, uh, uh, gone 24 and seven, 15 and three in conference, um, in the Atlantic 10, which was decent that year, and then what do they get? They're basically, a seven seed and the number five team in the country in the first round of the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking at the other ten seeds. There were Marquette that year, who was not that lost great. South
1: Carolina, right?
0: Yep. And then there was. Let's uh, see if I can
1: guess who the other ones, the, the, tell, me, tell me the teams so I can remember who they lost to or,
0: or beat. Okay. Oklahoma State played in the first round. Oklahoma State. Don't know. Keep going. Don't know. Okay. <laughs> Uh, where's the other 10 guy here hold on huh? there's only four of them we named two of them three of them actually
1: yeah wichita state oklahoma state um and we named marquette
0: oklahoma state lost to michigan by the way as i'm stalling uh-huh. to find the other 10 here hold on mm-hmm.
1: that was 2017 yes yeah
0: 2017.
1: That, that weekend i was at uh my my sister-in-law's uh, wedding so i didn't see that many of the games unfortunately
0: you were officiating right
1: I was officiating. Yeah. I was officiating a wedding, not a basketball game, unfortunately. Right. Well, yeah. unfortunately.
0: The other one was a VCU. They, you, know, you know how they play? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. It's the St. Mary's. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I don't think Wichita State's going to be a... Wichita State would be very happy with the 7th seed this year. Let's just put it that way.
1: Yeah, Wichita State. <laughs> we can get in some of these other results if you want to move on. They, yeah. um, they had interesting results, two of them, because they lost at home to Louisiana Tech. It's a decent team, Um. Not a great team, but a decent team out of the conference USA, um, and and they lost at home by 13 though, which dust State did. They played very poorly, and they bounced back and played much better against Providence, unfortunately, in uh, at in Annapolis and kind of a Veterans uh, Day weekend. Uh, doubleheader. They were the first game, Navy versus Maryland the second game. Providence got out really fast, and the game actually was pretty entertaining. In the second half, uh, Wichita State started to knock down some shots. Marcus McDuffie had a massive game with 32 points. Alpha Diallo played really well for Providence. He's going to be probably an all-Big East player this year. The Friars' big problem, and you know, I'm sure we'll talk about Providence uh, almost every podcast this year, but their big problem has been at point guard. Um, if you look back at the Friars under Coach Cooley, they had First, they had Vincent Council, who was the all-time Big East assist leader. Then they had Bryce Cotton, who was um, an all-Big East player and is now actually the best player in Australia. Um, and then they had Chris Dunn, who was a lottery pick. And then they had Kyron Cartwright, who probably was the most uh, iffy in terms of stepping up into that role, but ended up being an, an all-Big East caliber player as a senior uh, last year. So they replaced those guys they, with two top 50 recruits. They have a sophomore named Makai Ashton Langford, and they have a freshman named David Duke. And they neither one Great has name. played well at all. Yeah, he's he's trying. There was an article in the Providence Journal. Bill Reynolds, um, former Brown basketball player, Bill Reynolds, wrote about trying to make a name for himself or trying to like re, remake that name, uh, which will be an uphill climb. But uh, hopefully, he becomes a you know an NBA draft pick and can kind of steal some of those Google search autocompletes away from the white supremacist. Um, That'd be nice. But, and, so far, so bad though for David <laughs> Duke, who played better against uh, Wichita State, after getting shut out against siena in a win um McCash and ashton langford only played nine minutes and had three turnovers he's been really poor showing very little confidence and you know despite the fact that a.j reeves who had 29 points in his first game against siena and then 19 points in the second game as a freshman and Alpha diallo has been great the play of the two point guards who are trying to go for that role duke and ashton langford has been very poor and in this high ball screen um uh, heavy offense that, um, coach Chloe tends to run towards the end of shot clocks. That is not going to work. He's going to have to refashion his offense or, and probably, and not, or, and get better play from his point guard. Um, moving forward, they have we'll talk about a little bit later. They have Holy Cross who actually played quite well against Michigan. Um, they have them on Tuesday and then they play in a tournament this weekend, Saturday and Sunday where the game one, they play South Carolina. As we mentioned, they've had a kind of a rough start losing to uh, Stony Brook. And then the the winner or loser will play George Washington, who's off to a rough start we mentioned already again, or uh, Michigan. at Mohegan Sun is where Providence should have a slight home court advantage with local fans, but it'll be important for them to get that South Carolina win so at least they have a chance at a quality win against Michigan. And if they lose that game, it wouldn't be a bad loss. Um, what else do you see from around the country these first six days?
0: Well, North Carolina has already played two road games, which is two more than Duke will play until January, which is interesting um wofford and elon not really a you know just fine i think they're going to be very good obviously luke may at 24 against wofford and i mean it's not going to really matter and i don't think it should matter that much but roy williams not that many coaches would schedule two true road games to start the year especially when they uh they've lost to Wofford before recently so obviously it's part of last year at home so good for him i mean it's a little risky but he's fine with it he just doesn't like calling timeouts um old friend kyle smith Led in San Francisco to a huge win over UC Davis on the road, a 34-point win on the road. I mean, there were slight dogs in the game. That's very impressive, even if UC Davis ends up being uh, no good. That jumped out of me. Uh, Villanova is in a transition year, but they're going to be obviously very good. They beat Morgan State by 23 points and scored uh, 100. So you got you got a you're going to see them start start to go with some veterans and some uh, newcomers there. And uh, yeah, those were the 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 games that jumped... Oh, and Gonzaga dumped 120 on Idaho State despite being obviously shorthanded.
1: Yeah, with Killian Tilly out um, for eight weeks with a broken hand, I think, if I have that right. Let me double-check that. Uh, Sorry, stress fracture in his ankle.
0: Yeah, A stress fracture, that's actually... I mean, people talk, well, he's going to be out eight weeks. It's going to hurt them in the resume-building stage, but stress fracture in ankles does not sound like the thing that's like, oh, definitely back in eight weeks, definitely healthy. That totally has this thing where he could be like... To check check in six weeks from now he's redshirting, or he's yeah and, and
1: that's for like a 611 guy too so yeah yeah
0: so, nothing bode uh, well for
1: him. One, one more thing to add on on kyle smith in san francisco um he's like the one head basketball coach in division one that i actually know personally since he was a, he went to my church here in new york and was the um, head coach at columbia with tom mater for several years and helped bring some of their best success they've had since i guess the 60s um they won the cit they were competitive in the ivy league he left to go back more, closer to home. You know, he went. He used to be the coach at St. Mary's, an assistant there, and, and his wife went to St. Mary's as well. So they went out west to San Francisco. Um, they are probably at worst the fourth best team in the West Coast Conference, behind uh, more perennial uh, powers Gonzaga, BYU, and St. Mary's. But they've already jumped up to 95th in Ken Palm after starting the year 136th with wins over UC Davis, and they beat Maine by 43 as well. They have uh, Arizona State coming up this week at home. They also have Harvard at home later this month. Um, They are neutral against St. Stephen F. Austin, which is an interesting game. They go to Cal, which is a winnable game against a bad Cal team. Um, And they also have Stanford at home. So they have a lot of chances to pick up some wins, both for themselves and the West Coast Conference. And one more thing on Coach Smith. I really recommend listening to the Solving Basketball podcast episode that came out today. Jordan Sperber is like a former um, video guy for some teams, including uh, New Mexico State. He interviewed Kyle Smith about his approach to analytics, his approach to recruiting, his approach to coaching in general. A lot of interesting stuff in there, so I definitely recommend um, that podcast as well as following Jordan Sperber on Twitter. He's got some good stuff on there. one other, a few other games to mention, if we're going to talk about some bad losses in the A-10, it's only right we talk about bad losses in other leagues. Um, Baylor lost at home to Johnny Jones, the former uh, LSU coach, and Texas so- Southern, 72-69. Mekhi Mason did not play in that game without Makai Mason. Um, they really had problems at point guard. Um, so that's, that's one that stuck out to me. West Virginia lost at home later in the week, 99-94. Um, to Buffalo, where C.J. Massenberg had 43 points, 14 rebounds, and nine three-pointers, and a 99-94 overtime win. Uh, Texas A&M, the same night, out of the SEC, lost to UC Irvine by one. We already mentioned the South Carolina loss. Uh, Oklahoma State on Saturday lost. Yeah, Charlotte is not good. 309 in Ken Palm. John Davis of uh, the Charlotte, the 49ers, had uh, 27 points. Uh, That is not a good result. We already mentioned UCF losing at home to FAU. UCF picked by many to win the AAC, although not by me. And then SMU (laughs) lost to Southern Miss by 10. Um, Southern Miss, you know, not like a ridiculously bad team, but definitely not a good team. And SMU considered generally a top-half team in the AAC. Those are some of the bad losses we saw um, around college basketball. What, what, What are you thinking?
0: Yeah, I think the Big 12, three losses and all bad. And that's, you know, the Big 12 goes in. You know, right now they're the number one team in Ken Palm. Sorry, number one league in Ken Palm. I think the ACC may very well pass them this year. I think Oklahoma State is obviously in a world of hurt after their coaching – uh, change uh, two years ago, and so they've they've all they've had a revolving door there. Oklahoma's is obviously going to be down. We'll see what um, t- uh, happens with uh, as they recover from the uh, not recover from, but try to move on past the one and done Trey Young era. And the West Virginia game, I don't know what's going on. I know Buffalo is really good. Buffalo may be the best um, one of the. They're, they're going to be very dangerous, obviously. And to go into West Virginia, put 99 on a Huggins team, even in overtime, is pretty crazy. So they obviously have the uh, the uh, record from last year where they beat, uh, when they knocked out Arizona in the tournament and, and tested Kentucky. So they're in their experience, but still you think West Virginia should be able to win that game at home. So it was a little disappointing for uh, some, some teams in the big 12 uh, to yeah. you know, to suffer those losses.
1: Yeah. NATO it's doing a really good job at Buffalo. I will say a couple of things about West Virginia. I know we talked about them. I think a couple of podcasts ago, you know, Coach Huggins started this kind of Press Virginia thing a few years back, um, and it wasn't really until, it, it was really um, in 2015 that he really went with it. Uh, that's when he started fouling a lot. His, his team's been near the bottom in free throw rate uh, against since then, and it's been near the top in turnovers forced. And I think one thing, I mean, in fact, in the last four years, they were first, second, first, and second in turnovers forced. And you know, people say, well, he, every year that, you know, Huggy Bear does, gets it done and, and gets a high seed in the tournament with Press Virginia. But the one thing you might want to realize is that all of these years, he had Javon Carter. All four of those years. He's not had a Press Virginia team without Javon Carter until this year. And so I, I am curious to see how that defense is uh, without Javon Carter, who, you know, was talked to and hyped a lot um, as a defend, defender at, at, guard, at the point guard position, but it, you know he was really, really good at it. So I am a little curious about how that goes. You know, even Texas in the conference barely beat Arkansas. It was considered to be one of the worst teams in the uh, Big Twelve. They beat them by two in overtime on neutral court in, in Fort Bragg out in uh, West Texas. Um, so it has been a kind of a weak start for the Big Twelve um, and- uh, compared
0: to what we thought they were going to be. TCU was a big favorite against Cal State-Bakerfield. Only beat them by five at home. Cal State-Bakerfield's a 188th in Ken Palm. Then Mm -hmm. they they took care of Oral Oral Roberts at home. But, I don't know, it's been a little, It's again, early, and we don't know what's what, but it's been a little disappointing for the Big 12. And they may not be as deep and as scary for a team like Kansas to have to go through. And, you know, there's no easy game in the Big 12 last couple years. There may be some easy games uh, this year, but we'll see. It's plenty. Obviously, TCU's good. Uh, they just may not be quite as good as I thought they were. Uh, yeah,
1: five straight years, the Big 12 has been number one conference in Ken Palm. The last time it wasn't the number one conference in Ken Palm was the last year before, kind of the big upheaval with conferences, and they were third behind the Big 10, uh, which is, has gone down since then. But that Big 10 was, was really good with um, a bunch of top teams and I think seven, eight NCAA tournament teams. Uh, including Indiana's number one seed that year, if you, if you recall that one. Um, I think that was Victor, Victor Oladipo. Um, oh, actually, I, I might be a little bit early on Victor Oladipo. Let me just check. That's not on the page. What are we talking? Uh, yeah, no, it was Oladipo and Cody Zeller, uh, Christian Wofford, Yogi Ferrell. Uh, it's a good team. Um, and then, um, what was it? What was my point? I had a point here. Anyway, the, I guess. Big my 12 point twelve's
0: not good. That's the point. Yeah, it's not as good.
1: But a couple of teams, a couple of games, I want to note where we get impressive performances. Uh, one Ohio State winning at Cincinnati by eight. Uh, it's a tough, always tough place to win, even though it's a new, refurbished fifth third arena. But Cincinnati's a tough place to play. Um, Chris Holman keep continuing to get it done at Ohio State. He's got two Wessons there, um, uh, locking it down. Uh, a couple others. Auburn. I want to you think about this one. I know you were pretty big on Auburn. They beat Washington by 22 at home. Um, and then one other one, Florida State. In, on the first night of the season, defeated Florida 81 to 60. You got any
0: thoughts on any of those games? Well, the F- Florida game, Florida Florida State, obviously wasn't nearly the biggest disaster that happened election night uh, in Florida. The Auburn game where they they, <laughs> they smoked Washington. I am very high on Auburn, as we said, and we talked about how Kentucky had a little had some hiccups coming in. I wonder if they're a little worried about um, about Auburn taking over uh, the SEC title this year they played really well they put four guys in double figures um chuma Okeke, is that how you say his name sure (laughs) okay he had 19
1: points you should probably find that out
0: yeah he's he's pretty good we should show some respect but uh no they played played really well they played fast and they scored they had 1.26 points per possession against washington held washington to 0.94 points per possession jared harper had 13 points bryce brown had 13 points, and Samir Dowdy had 18 points, so they looked pretty good uh, against Washington, um, and they scored 48 in the first half to really take control of the game early. So I'm I'm high on Auburn and Bruce Pearl, even if I don't like some of everything that Bruce Pearl does, I think they're going to be uh, really good this year.
1: Yeah, um, I I know you were higher on Auburn than I was. Uh, we'll see what happens. Austin Wiley's coming back. He had been out. He hadn't played a game since March of 20. 17, I think, but he'll be back um, for the Auburn's next game. Um, you know, let's end on just a few uh, few news and note items that happened between now and the last time when, when we spoke. Uh, some of these are a little bit older, so we might I might skip a few of these that we got on here, Tom. One we mentioned Killian Tilly's uh, injury out eight weeks. Um, Lindell Wigginton, who was, was in the top freshman in the um, uh, Big 12 last year at Iowa State, injured his foot, maybe out until December. They still uh, trounced missouri one of the few picks that we got right (laughs) um missouri uh not looking so hot with uh, jonte porter out for the year Uh, villanova um signed five-star forward jeremiah robinson earl who chose uh, villanova over kansas and north carolina despite the fact that his dad has ties to both the Kansas program, and North Carolina head coach. Any thoughts on that um, as
0: a Roy Williams apologist? <laughs> Roy Williams apologist? Uh, no, I think Jay Wright, obviously. You win two titles in three years, you're going to start getting even better recruits. Not that he had trouble uh, recruiting guys. Um, he's had good players all along, but that's just going to help him now, and it's going to be scary with Villanova now. They're like they're right there. They're, they renovated their home arena. Um, obviously, they play a lot of games at um, the, um, where the Sixers Wells play, Fargo. but but they also play at the pavilion and that's renovated like they're it's like it's a pretty attractive place to play and they've they're good every year there are no down years there's no real up and down so um yeah good for him going to villanova i can see why he would do it and as long yeah, you know good for him yeah a couple of
1: suspensions that have um impacted some teams um chris clark at virginia's tech he's he allows them to play a little small ball he can be able to play small ball four small ball five he's been spending indefinitely um Against Gardner-Webb, they won easily by uh, by 28 um, and made 10 threes, which is kind of standard for them. But they, and they don't have a tough game, really, until at um, Penn State on November 27th. Although State, Ball State and St. Francis actually aren't bad those next two games, uh, but we'll see how long he's out for. Um, and if he's out in de- for a long period of time, like the whole season, that could be a major problem. Uh, Sidney Wilson was been suspended by UConn for a violation of university policy. He had left St. John's after committing there to go to UConn last August without playing a game. Sat out last season was supposed to play this year. Um, BYU's been placed on probation and is vacating 47 wins due to improper benefits to Nick Emery. And he's also been suspended the first nine games of this season. Uh, it's a fairly big loss for BYU. Um, they lost their opening game to Nevada, which is not really that surprising, but with with Emory, they probably could have given Nevada a, a better go. They lost by sixteen in that game. It was close um, for a while, but yeah, Nevada yeah. did pull away. Yeah, I, I think Nick Emory was he was he injured? I think he was injured last year. Yeah, he's supposed to come back this year. Six two guard, um, good a good free throw shooter, a good outside shooter. Um, yeah, what else we got? The the um, you got to check out the uh, U.I. Chicago University of Illinois Chicago Flames new court. They're flames and the and the flag of Chicago. I think it's pretty cool. At least uh, at least conditions. Would,
0: would you say it's lit?
1: Well, that's interesting thing that you mentioned that, uh, Tom, because. Uh, you've mentioned this I think earlier in our, you know, friendship is the the Chicago really leans into the fire. It doesn't really I mean this is a little bit of a tough time to talk about fires, I'll be honest, but it's no offense in anyone who's suffering through any fires out in California. I hope you know everyone's doing okay out there. Um, don't want to make light of fires, but this is this fire, the Chicago fire was the traumatic incident in the history of the city of Chicago. Um,
0: and that's why it's called the Second City, right? Because they rebuilt it after the fire. Yeah,
1: yeah. People think that it's called the Windy City because it's windy, but it's not because it's the it's the gasbag politicians I think it's a, and they think the Second City because of New York being the first city in theory, but it's not because it was rebuilt. And that's why it's the Second City. It's anyway. It's two mis, misnomers about their uh, nicknames, but they lean into it because you have the UIC Flames, the the State University in Chicago is called the Flames, and the soccer team is called the Fire. And yeah. I just think, yeah, I don't know if I like it or don't like it, but it's interesting.
0: I will say for two things about this court. One, it looks cool. Actually, three things. One, it looks cool. Two, I went to trivia the night you sent this to me, and one of the and I had been in Chicago, so I knew what the Chicago flag looks like. But Chicago's flag was on there, and this had it fresh in my mind because there was a round of city flags. Wonder how you would have done in that. And third, is this is a little close to flag burning. I gotta say, yeah, <laughs> that's that's my only objection. You have to don't tell Ann, don't tell Ann Coulter, okay? Yeah, okay, it's her secret. It's. I'll keep it secret from her, but it looks cool. I like the colors too. Chicago's colors are pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, New York is what blue and yellow, and Chicago is what blue, white and, blue and like, white like and light red. blue, white and red. Yeah. Yeah. All right, What do you want to go from here, Tom? Do you want to go straight to picks, or do you want to talk about anything else?
0: Let's go. Uh, I just want to say, Chris Clark. It's a little mysterioso when the guy is removed from the roster, so I am not looking forward to hearing what he did or what happened. So.
1: Well, a, a little birdie said that it's school policy to remove a player from a roster if they're not eligible to play. I'm not sure if that's actually true or if that would have happened if they knew it was only like a one-game suspension. Uh, I don't know if their SID gets annoyed by this policy, but um, uh, yeah, that so that might mitigate like the the kind of visuals of, of that, but I guess we'll find out when he
0: actually comes back. If he comes back. Yeah. That's my point. I think it's... The fact that it's just like no word, no nothing, is a little... I'd be a little concerned... Um, about his playing the rest of the year. That's my guess. But based purely on the uh, just how it's gone down, no inside knowledge whatsoever.
1: Yeah, there you have it, Buzz Williams. Yeah, Ta- he's taken taken Virginia Tech home to the to the country roads, dancing all over the floors in the <laughs> ACC.
0: <laughs> Screaming himself horse.
1: Yeah. Is he the horse's okay, coach
0: well- in uh, the NCAA? Well, Tom Crean's up there.
1: Yeah, Tom is pretty hoarse. He he likes the diet coke. Yeah, I think it's diet coke. He likes to drink a lot of them.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, as, a, as a purveyor or a connoisseur of Coke Zeroes.
0: Coke know, Zero be, sugar now, by the way. Yeah, not, zero sugar. Not a know. sponsor, by the way. We're yeah. keeping our NCAA eligibility here.
1: Yeah, we're. Uh, I we were uh, we might be sponsored by Pennzoil soon. It's one of my favorite sponsors <laughs> of NCAA tournaments past. But as of this moment, we're not sponsored by anyone. Yeah. Um. So if you want to sponsor it, double bo- double bonus pod at gmail.com We expect, can we accept all forms of payment? Um, You know, interesting uh, trades accepted (laughs) also. Yes. Um, Hollywood memorabilia,
0: perhaps. Uh, Yeah.
1: Maybe Anthony Quinn's used t-shirt. If you you have one of those, you could uh, drop that off and we'll mention your name on the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) It says right here,
0: interesting trades considered. (laughs) It's all about tickling their buying bone, Brendan. You're right on there.
1: (laughs) I'm not paying for that. Um, Okay, let's move on to picks. I think we've, uh, we've grambled on enough. We can, there's some other interesting things that have happened in the last couple of weeks, some kind of ideas we could do, but we'll hit those on other podcasts. But let's, uh, redeem ourselves with our picks uh, after, uh, embarrassing ourselves and with our for week one picks.
0: Where do we go? Three, ele- three and eleven each?
1: Yeah, let's see. We had, uh, we had 14 picks. Uh, Tom was three and eleven and I was three and eleven. Um, we were, we had different picks on four games and we, we split. All of those games. Um, uh, I guess we have to if you, if you different pick. The
0: best part we're is, bad. even if you combined us, we only went, five. if you like, let us take the best pick, we were only five <laughs> and nine.
1: <laughs> That's yeah, the only bad. game, the only game, so there were, uh, there were 10 games that we agreed on. 10 games that we agreed on. And we only got one of those games right. And that was Iowa State over Missouri. So Missouri, you should be embarrassed. You were the only team that didn't it didn't cover that we picked against in the entire first week of the NCAA tournament, the NCAA season. So anyway, we'll do better. We can't do worse. Can't do worse. Well, we could do worse. I
0: well, guess. it's pretty hard. I'm going to go with can't do worse.
1: Okay. A couple games tonight. Um, uh, by the time you listen, they'll probably be over, but we don't know the outcome. And again, we're using, um, I, I think I put in um, the actual lines for the games t- uh, Monday night and Tuesday night. This is November 12th and 13th. Um, basically, they were the same for the most part, except for the Illinois Georgetown game. But the rest of the games from uh, Wednesday on, we're going with the Ken Palm spread. Um, Let's we'll start with Southern Illinois against Buffalo. Um, so both these teams have experience playing Kentucky recently. Buffalo beat them in the Minnesota tournament, la- or lost them in the NCAA tournament last year in the second round. Um, and recently, as we mentioned, beat West Virginia, despite Sagaba Kanate's three three-pointers after, after attempting zero last year. It's something to, to look for for West Virginia. Uh, Southern Illinois played Kentucky well. They were winning by four or six points with about 10, 12, 13 minutes left, ended up losing by double digits, but that's one of the better teams in Missouri Valley. It's in Carbondale, um, one of the beautiful uh, small towns in um, middle America, uh you can drive straight down south from uh, chicago hit there <laughs> you don't you six hours to get there from chicago it's basically right right down the well, road it's
0: in southern illinois
1: yeah it's right near cairo which is spelled cairo but pronounced cairo um so who you got southern illinois minus one at home against the buffalo bulls
0: i'll take the buffalo bills mazenberg we talked about had 43 points at west virginia they dropped 99 which is the most in any game not even press virginia or most in any game bob huggins is allowed at West Virginia, so give me, uh, give me Buffalo. They're experienced, uh, and they've played some big games, and they already have their big win of the year, so I'll take them uh, on the road. I'm also taking
1: Buffalo, which means put your money on the Salukis.
0: Yeah, and get it in quick, because it probably, probably
1: already started. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, the next game involves um, Tom's Kansas Jayhawks against the Vermont Catamounts. Uh, one of the top uh, mid-major or low-major schools in New England, a perennial America East power. It's a 22-point spread uh, favoring the Jayhawks and Fog Allen. What, what's, your, what's your breakdown here, Tom?
0: Well, first of all, Kansas obviously has played very well at Fog Allen under Bill Self, but part of me wants them to lose two games this year at home because one of the favorite things that announcers say and— they do it every time because it's on the first page of the Kansas game notes is Bill Self has more Big Twelve titles, fourteen, than losses at Allen Fieldhouse, thirteen. And it's even it's a cool stat, but like literally everybody says it. And they have you know, Kansas is on national TV but they're all different broadcast crews that go through. So everyone says it and you know different they think it's this great step. Everyone knows. We know that should be true. Anyway, Vermont's not gonna win win this game. And Kansas, but they could cover. I don't. Right? Kansas has a history of kind of underperforming early on against these mammoth spreads, so I will take Vermont in this game. And one other comment is this might be Kansas's easiest non-conference game of the year, uh, just being at home and um, playing Vermont. And they Vermont's 123rd in the country, so they do schedule pretty tough. They got some tough games coming up, including Villanova at home. They have Marquette in a neutral game. Stanford's not that great this year. They have them at home. So they have, um, they have some tough games, but this is probably one of their easiest games of the non-conference schedule, maybe the year, and uh, I think they'll win, but I don't think they'll cover 22 points.
1: Yeah, Vermont's coming off a six-point win against BU um, on Friday. Uh, they're, they're looking pretty solid in the America East again. Uh, you have to like Vermont and Stony Brook, who, ha- of course, has already beaten George Washington and um, South Carolina in that league. Um, you know, last year they played at Kentucky and lost by only four. Uh, they also went and uh, lost at Bucknell, at Marquette, and at Northeastern. They didn't pick off any of these teams. Uh, Kansas is so big, though. Um, I'm going to go with the Jayhawks to cover the 22. And um, and so we will go with – I'm going to pick uh, Kansas to cover on this one. Cool. Okay. So moving on to uh, Tuesday, where we have the first two of the Gavit games, which is the, are the ga- games between the Big East and the Big Ten. It's eight games every year. The first game is uh, quite an interesting one. Wisconsin is favored by two on the road at Xavier. Um, and Xavier is in the middle or starting a tough stretch here, uh, but they're playing at Sintas Center against a team Z- Wisconsin that they beat fairly handily last year uh, at Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, their next game's uh, against Auburn in a neutral site. Um, Xavier, you know, the number one seed last year, disappointing end to their season. Um, Obviously very solid, both ends of the court. Um, But Wisconsin playing pretty well. Ethan Happ still going strong. Um, I feel like he's been there for more than four years, but he's like the Perry Ellis of uh, Wisconsin. But I will go with, uh, I'll take Wisconsin. Greg Gard seems to have settled in nicely there. I'll take him uh, in this game.
1: Yeah, Xavier so actually you – know, they have two wins, they, but neither they, they, one was particularly impressive. They beat IUPUI by 13 at home and beat Evansville by 6 at home. Evansville now coached, of course, by Walter McCarty. Um, Najee Marshall is supposed to be kind of their go-to guy this year, has not played very well. Tyree Jones has been great. Ryan Wellage, who's a transfer from um, San Jose State, has been efficient in low usage. Kyle Kasselin, a transfer from Columbia, has been efficient in very low usage. Um, and Zach Hankins has been uh, fairly ev- efficient in high usage but with low minutes played. Uh, I am going to go with Wisconsin, though. Um, you know, I think that this Wisconsin team uh, has some veterans. They got Brad Davison back in healthy. They got Ethan Happ, who's already had a great game, triple-double in his first game. Um, and you know, across the board, I think they have enough talent to go on the road and win win this game. They're favored by two, uh, and I'm going to go with the uh, the Badgers. Um, the other game, uh, the other Gavvy game that night is Illinois against Georgetown. The game is at, uh, at Illinois in Champaign, Urbana-Champaign, and the Fighting line are six point favorites against the Hoyas.
0: Yeah, Georgetown's an interesting team. Uh, they have um Trey Morning playing for them. They have some uh, inter- it's an interesting thing. I'm taking uh Illinois here, but um, I know your notes here say Georgie. How do you even say that last name?
1: I don't know. All I know is so, so. they have a player um named Georgie Bez Bejanishvili and yeah. he has a he's a freshman. He's been quite good so far. Trent Frazier's a pretty good lead guard that they have. Kipper Nichols is a great name, and also he's got a 151.50 rating so far this year. They beat we, – we talked about how um, Xavier had some trouble with, with Evansville. Illinois played Evansville and won by 39. I really think Brad Underwood's going to get it going this year for Illinois. I, too, like uh, the Illini to, to win and cover. Georgetown um, does have a point guard, finally. They haven't had one in a while. James Akinjo looks pretty good. Um, he had a bunch of assists in his first game. Let me see if I can put a finer point on that. Sorry, he's had seven assists in each of his first two games, but also had four turnovers. You could imagine against that pressure that Oklahoma, that Oklahoma State, not Oklahoma State anymore, but Illinois provides, right under where he used to be at Oklahoma State, um, that they, they might have some trouble starting two freshmen and Trey Morning, who was not really a, like a rotation player until um, until this year. By so the way, I, I'll go with Illinois.
0: Yeah, that last name is spelled, just so everyone can pronounce it at home, is B-E-Z. H a n i s h, v i l i.
1: So yeah, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Wednesday, we have three more Gavit games, and these uh, are are quite good, especially the um, two of them. Um, we'll go. We'll do. I'll, I'll kind of introduce all three, and then you can give your thoughts, and I can give mine. So we have Indiana Marquette, Indiana. The games at Indiana, and the Hoosiers are favored by four. Uh, again, these are the Ken Palm spreads. starting on Wednesday night. Villanova. Uh, and it game starts at 6 p.m. Eastern time, which is a little bit strange. In a rematch of the NCAA championship, hosts Michigan and is an eight-point favorite. And this is at their at the the new Pavilion and not at um, Wells Fargo. And Nebraska, uh, coming off of a, uh, some blowout wins, start, start the season. They host the conference host in Lincoln,
0: Seton Hall, and are six-point favorites. What do you got? Well, first of all, it's pretty cool that the national championship game is being played as a rematch so early in the season, just a little disappointed so early in the day. You'd think they could get it maybe at like, you know, eight o'clock. Um, what's interesting about Michigan for me is last year it started and this year it's continuing and we'll see if it continues. But B line it always he always used to be okay defensively and amazing offensively. And then it flipped last year. Last year they were better for the first time under B line on defensive efficiency than offensive efficiency. So is that just a blip or is that something Oh, that's going to continue. I still like Nova in this game because they're at home and they have explosive scoring, and I think that Michigan's newfound defense will be put to the test. Um, but they always take care of the ball. Michigan is such a crazy team to play because they play – they just never turn the ball over under B-line, and they're very good offensively. Uh, it was more, an, almost more that their defense caught up with their offense, not that their offense lagged as much. So I like Nova. I think that um, they are just you know, rolling – Um, They've transitioned well. They lost, obviously, a ton of players, but they're still fine. So I'll take Nova in that game. Uh, Indiana is playing uh, Marquette, as we said. Indiana started off the season with two cupcakes, but Romeo Lankford looked good in both those games. Obviously, he's the uh, big story there. Um, Mr. Basketball playing as a freshman. Uh, I like them against Marquette, who is very reliant on the three. The first two games, they scored 67 points on 60 shots. And then the next game, they scored 92, but they only took 57 shots. That's what happens when you light it up from three. So I'll take Indiana there. And then uh, give me Nebraska at home against your nemesis, the Seton Hall Pirates.
1: Yeah. um, I'm going to start with the Villanova game as well. The um, eight points, I think the actuals probably probably be less than eight points. It's, it's a lot of points, uh, but at the same time, Michigan's offense is just not looking very good right now. Charles Matthews and Ignis Bradzikas, who's a freshman, are their two high-usage players. Um, and I'm not that confident in either of them, although Bradzikas has been pretty good so far. And then their other complementary players, Jordan Poole, has been not good. Xavier Simpson's like a defense-first player. And Isaiah Livers has actually been okay so far this year in low usage, but also a defense-first player. I just... I think that my lack of confidence in their defense is going to be hard for them to stay within eight points at Villanova. Eric Pascal and Phil Booth are having great starts of the season. We're seeing Colin Gillespie and Sadiq Bey, the freshmen, the latter's a freshman, play, play really well. Joe Cremo, the transfer from Albany, has been great. And Demir Khadi Roundtree, as a sophomore, has been terrific as well. And they have other guys on the team, like Javon Quinterly, who's a five star freshman guard who hasn't even had to do that much this year. So I'll take Villanova in that one. Um, in Indiana, Marquette, I'm actually going to go the other way from you. Um, I'm pretty high on Marquette this year. Um, and I know that they've played two really garbage teams so far. Well, UMBC, that's a little harsh. That they beat Virginia in the NCAA tournament last year. But they beat them by 25. and uh, Well, Virginia lost by 20 to UMBC. So they're
0: 45 they points the better tournament. than Virginia.
1: Yeah, there <laughs> it is. Um, comparative scores. Marcus Howard had a great start to the season. I don't think Indiana's going to have a really good answer for him. Uh, Theo John has a big body they can throw at Juwan Morgan um, of Indiana. Um, you know, I, I think Soccer Anim and Ed Morrow are a couple guys that they can throw at uh, Romeo Langford, and Joseph Chartuni is actually a, a guard that can play defense, which is something that Mark hasn't had in a while. And Indiana's point guards are have not been. Um, are not their strength, at least. Uh, they have gotten pretty good play this year out of Rob Finnessy. Actually, very good play. So he's their their point guard, I think, even though Devontae Green comes with um, uh, more, uh, more reps, I guess, from previous years. They both could play together a lot. Uh, I'm going to go with Marquette in that one. And then Nebraska, Seton Hall. There's a chance Nebraska is, like, really, really good. But I don't know if they are. And Seton Hall, well... It's a little bit uh, it's a little bit harder to tell. Um, they have a lot of new players. The the pirates have gotten a great play from Miles Powell and Michael Enzi in low usage. Sandro Mamukelishvili, uh, another uh, another Villy to go yeah. with our our friend at um, Illinois. Miles Kale has played well, but again, it's just just one game against a, against a bad Wagner team. Uh, we'll see where they get out of Torian Thompson, who the transfer from Syracuse who has not who was not good in the first game. Quincy McKnight, a transfer I believe from Sacred Heart. Was pretty good um, in that game. But Nebraska is veteran. They're at home. um, And they were terrific, especially on defense, against Mississippi Valley State and Southeast Louisiana, winning 106-37 to 87-35. I'll take Nebraska. It's not that many points. It's six. uh, But that's where I'm going.
0: Cool. Uh, Let's move on to some of these other games. Uh, The next day... Uh, Let's actually, let's just finish out the Gavit games and we can go back to the other stuff. There are three more Gavit games. You got Penn State, uh, Atapal favored by one. No Mike Watkins in that game there. He's suspended indefinitely. Uh, Creighton hosting Ohio State. They're favored by two in the Ken Palm lines. And then St. John's visits Rutgers and is giving three points in that game. Um, For me, Ohio State's kind of a wild card because we talked about them a little bit before. They were, I think they were picked eighth in the Big Ten this year, and they don't. The Big Ten is pretty deep, obviously, but that was a good. Who knows how good that win is against Cincinnati? And then their non-conference schedule is very unbalanced or imbalanced. I guess this might be norm, but they have um, four of their games are in the top 45 in Ken Palm, and six are 200 plus. There's no real like middle of the ground. You're either really good like tournament team or you're total garbage with who they schedule. And obviously Creighton is really good, so uh, we'll see what they can do if they can follow up that game they beat. They won at Cincinnati, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, so they already have a big road win this year. This would be a huge win uh, for them if they can get it. So give me Ohio State in that game. And then uh, I'll take DePaul, the aforementioned DePaul, since Watkins is out. And St. John's Rutgers, the line seems weird for some reason, but I will take uh, St. John's on the road.
1: Okay. Um. Yeah, I would say about the uh, Ohio State Creighton game, Creighton was picked – to finish ninth in the in the Big East, it's a very balanced middle, somewhat similar to the um, to the Big Ten. I do like the middle of the Big Ten better. I do like Chris Holtman as a game coach. I do worry that Ohio State will not uh, hit shots at um, uh, in Omaha, and so I that's a little bit of a concern. But I I I will go with I will take the points the two points and pick Ohio State. Um, I'm also going to pick Penn State. I think that this team might be underratedly good, even without Mike Watkins. Um, so I'm going to go with the, um, the New York Lions. I think I'm entering the picks in the wrong row. We can switch that later. Um, and then in St. John's-Ruckers. St. John's seems the easy pick here. They're only favored by three. Uh, Rutgers has actually played very well on offense the first two games of the season, but I think there's just too much talent from St. John's, uh, despite the fact they kind of have looked eh against teams like Bowling Green to start the season. So that's a gabby. and So I guess in, my, in our picks, I'm kind of picking against the Big East in almost every game, except I'm picking Marquette and Villanova. That'd be like a, or St. John's. So that'd be three and five. You have uh, DePaul. And Indiana. So I guess you're also basically three and five, unless you have a team that's going to probably do it like they do a cover while losing, which is possible. But you picked in the two biggest spread games, you picked Nebraska and Villanova. And so I, so probably, and Illinois. Um, so probably not going to happen.
0: Yeah. Uh, the other two games on the 15th, which is Thursday, are at the Garden. Uh, Syracuse and UConn, who apparently I forgot this, play every year now. Uh, former Big East um, rivals now in two separate conferences, two totally different conferences in the ACC, obviously in the American. Uh, Syracuse, really good this year, is favored by eight against Connecticut, who's gotten off to a 2-0 start. They beat Moorhead State and someone else crummy. Uh, so this will be a good test
1: for... You can also beat UMKC. Okay, yeah. So two Syracuse lovable... Syracuse also beat Moorhead
0: State. Oh, wow. Two of these lovable programs. I don't know. It's I'm rooting for both teams. It's going to be tough to watch, but... uh. Uh, give me Syracuse. I think this will be one of those games where UConn, you know, they're feeling their oats. They won two games in a row, and then they come It's a pretty good defensive Syracuse team. Uh, haven't seen the zone before, and uh, they'll uh, they'll lose by more than eight. And the other game is actually probably more appealing to watch. The Oregon-Iowa game. Oregon favored by four. Ball, balls already averaging 17.5 points per game. We, there was some talk he was going to shoot the three a lot and be, you know, the seven-foot, three-point monster, but he's only taken three, three-point... Uh, shots all in two games so far, but uh, they're playing Iowa at the Garden. That that should Iowa travels well to New York. At least they did for the Pinstripe Bowl a few years ago. So I'm assuming they'll be in force in uh, the Garden. So give me Iowa actually uh, in that mm. game. But I'm uh, interested to see that uh, that game how ball, ball looks and um okay uh, yeah
1: I'm gonna go against both of your picks actually. I'm gonna oh. go with uh I'm gonna go with Oregon. Okay. To cover the four, I think it'll actually be more than four in the actual spread, and I'm going to go with UConn uh, to cover the eight. Um, I think UConn at the Garden. I know serious the Garden will bring people, and UConn is not really that people aren't that excited about UConn this year. But I do think they have enough shooters against the zone. They have um, Jalen Adams is back, Altariq Gilbert, Terrence Smith. Um, you know, I think they'll have enough shooters, and they have some guys, some big guys. Although they haven't, they tend to play small. They can get Josh Carlton down there, and they can play. Some other folks. Um, Syracuse was dominant against Eastern Washington in their first game. Um, they were not as dominant against Moorhead State in the second one. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Syracuse is better, but I'll, I'll take the eight points um, and hope that uh, the, the Orange don't have a great scoring night because their offense is a little spotty. And Buddy Beheim, by the way, is uh, playing um, like like 25 minutes a game for, uh, for Syracuse kid as a
0: Pitter's grandson.
1: Uh, something it's, it's something um, and <laughs> Iowa Oregon okay here, here's a here's a quiz for you related to bowl bowl and three pointers it probably won't happen because he has only taken three so far this year but um, my question to you is who is the only player in college basketball history to have 73 pointers made and 70 blocks in a single season at least oof uh we can ask me a couple questions I can help you narrow it down a couple of yes no questions I'm
0: just gonna guess one guy and we'll go from there. Yeah. Draymond Green. No? Did you hear me? Oh,
1: I didn't. What, what would you say? Sorry, right. you, you broke up a little bit. Draymond Green. Draymond Green is incorrect. Okay. Draymond Green is incorrect. Um, I'll give you a hint. He won a national title in college.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and he also lost a national title game in college. Christian Lehner? Incorrect.
0: He didn't lose a national title game, did he? No. Okay. You're gonna not. have to tell me, Brendan.
1: The answer is Shane Battier. Oh, okay. Right, right team, right, right school. Wrong, wrong name. Anyway, um, Iowa is is not good on offense, on defense. Um, I think that they'll have trouble um, against Oregon, stopping them, and I think four points won't be enough. Uh, so let's wrap up here with three more games. One's Friday, one's Saturday, one's Sunday. A couple of pickems. Arizona State is traveling to aforementioned San Francisco. South Carolina is playing Providence at Mohegan Sun in a big game on Saturday. And then Minnesota is playing Texas A&M in, of course, Vancouver, British Columbia. Of course. Um, yeah. So uh, what, what do you think, Tom? Who you got?
0: Uh, Arizona State, remember, they of course, they sit with me because they beat Kansas at Kansas last year. Now they're going to San Francisco. Um, they're 50th in Ken Palm this year. Um, San Francisco's played really well, so it's tough to say. Um, but I think I'll take Arizona State there. Um, Minnesota, very good shooting start to their year. They're third in the country in EFG through two games, and they are shooting 62.9% from the floor, and obviously an unsustainable 47.6% from three, uh, but A&M already had that bad loss to UC Irvine at home, so give me uh, Minnesota there, and then South Carolina Providence. Um, Providence, obviously you'll have a much better read on them than I do, but um, each of these teams has had a bad, loss. you know, a, a, not a great loss already. So I'll take Providence in that one, but uh, tough to say, obviously, with these. It's so early, and in these, in these tournaments are grueling. Columbia's actually playing a tournament. We didn't put it on here. They're playing three games in three nights. Uh, wow! So it's kind of crazy.
1: You took A to and M over Minnesota, right? Not not
0: no, that I took one. Uh, Minnesota. You took Minnesota. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm gonna agree with you in two of them, and but not in the other. I'm gonna pick San Francisco to, to beat. Uh, Arizona State, uh, probably going to go with my heart over my head here, but Arizona State did struggle in its first game against Cal State Fullerton. They needed two overtimes to beat um, Fullerton, 102-94. I think this is a team that's going to struggle on defense again this year. Um, you know, They do obviously have Kamani Lawrence, Remy Martin. Um, they, they've got some really good offensive players. We haven't even mentioned Lugwenz Dort, who's a freshman who's like shooting a ton. Shoot, shooting Dortz. Mm-hmm. Lu Dort, Remy Martin, and Xylan Cheatham on the same team like well, it's like the all name team. That's great. D- uh, Daquan Lake. I mean, come on, what is yeah. going on here? Um, Tayshaun content. Cherry. Like oh, man. anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I think. Well, I gotta say though, there are some good names on the San team as well. They have a guy named Frankie Ferrari, which is uh, an all time great name as well. The rest of the team isn't quite as good with names. But Jimbo Lull is a pretty good one.
0: This might be um, – now if Ken pumped in name rankings. this could be the name matchup of the year.
1: Yeah. Mark your calendars. Check your – Check your, um, check your local list. Yeah. It's probably on Stadium. Watchstadium.com. Watch, Watch uh, San Francisco and all the names against Arizona State and all their names, and then there'll probably be some good basketball too.
0: It's a big-name Prov- game.
1: Yeah. Providence, South Carolina. I'm going to go with the Friars. Um, it's a game that you're going to have to win, and I think that the slight home-court advantage will help – um, and the problem is, if South Carolina really pressures the point guards of Providence, they might have a lot of trouble. But I, I do think that, that the Game are going to have trouble scoring as well. And also take Minnesota. Um, A&M lost so much from last year's team. Uh, you know, Billy Kennedy has to rebuild. I think he lost four or five starters, his, or three or five starters. They brought back Admon Gilder and TJ Starks, and Starks is kind of like a train wreck sometimes. I mean, look up just before we go what his stats were. One of the games he had some he had crazy stats. He's basically, he just loves to do everything all the time. Um, he's, you know, one of those people. Like, FOMO, he wants the ball in his hands at all times. He had nine turnovers in his first game against Savannah State they won by 15 he scored 16 points he, he was one for 10 on three pointers the guy took 19 field goals and had nine turnovers what is going on Like um, balance <laughs> in the second game second game he shot three for 15 but he only had three turnovers like uh, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about texas a&m this year in a very good sec uh so i'll take minnesota um they've played ball so far this year they haven't really been heavily tested
0: so, we, yeah, we picked 15 games, Brendan. We picked uh, seven differently and eight the same. So Yeah,
1: so at there least we one of us
0: Let's will see if we win can come... at
1: least four games.
0: Let's see if we can combine to go over 500 this week at least. That's 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 where we should set our goals. Yeah.
1: Yeah, baby steps, baby, baby steps. steps.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, um, we'll be back with you next week for more Double Bonus Pod. Uh, again, look us up on Twitter. Tell your friends. Rate, review, five stars. And as uh, Gary says, Yeah. Yeah yeah
0: four if you think it's only four that's i think that's fair i yeah, mean I, I don't yeah. know yeah i don't yeah. see why anyone how could anyone not like us so
1: yeah i mean we're definitely at least an uber four come on yeah. um and uh reviews are great subscriptions tell your friends tell your mom tell your dog anyone who has an iphone or other electronic <laughs> device that like listen to a podcast check okay. us out double bonus pod on twitter Doublebonuspod.com on our website and tell a bonus to pod at gmail.com if you want to email us with your questions, thoughts, suggestions, or, you know, recipes because the holidays are coming up. Oh, yeah. A- anything else, Tom?
0: Uh, no, I think that's it. So uh, what is your favorite recipe? Let's tease Thanksgiving. Let's tease. what I think. Do they still call it Feast Week? I think they do still call it Feast Week. What's your favorite um, Thanksgiving
1: item, food item? Uh, I think I'm going to go Thanksgiving Tournament.
0: Do uh, that Thanksgiving!
1: Too. Thanksgiving food item. Um, hmm. It's controversial. I will say it's controversial. But I. Well, so, so a couple of things. One, people complain about turkeys a lot. I gotta say, people think turkeys are terrible because they're so dry. My dad cooks an amazing turkey. It's so moist. It's so delicious. It's it turns your your opinion of turkey around. If you have if you have negative thoughts about turkey, so I do like a good turkey. But I will say a mince pie you ever had a mince pie tom
0: yeah but not for a while i don't i, yeah. I don't have access to good ones
1: it was one of my late grandmother's favorites uh we, she used to always have a mince pie and i have like a slice you can't have a big slice of mince pie it's a little bit too rich but i'll i'll uh, i like a i like a light mince pie a, a slim mince pie with some whipped cream after a, a full dinner while i'm watching uh what's on thursday night usually like that tournament out of um orlando like the advocare whatever thingy (laughs) like by the way don't ever buy advocare don't do it drew breeze it's a a scam
0: not a sponsor also also not a sponsor
1: uh, actually oh crap they are a sponsor no never mind what do you got tom (laughs) what's your favorite food item
0: i like blueberry pie it's not really a thanksgiving thing but i like blueberry
1: pie yeah
0: uh, i've had it at thanksgiving so it can't be a thanksgiving thing
1: My family was a late arrival arrival on the blueberry pie for Thanksgiving. Uh, We never used to have it growing up, but then I started having it uh, later. And we had this like church pie sale thing, so we'll buy usually a blueberry pie and like an apple pie, and we'll bring them up from New York to Rhode Island to you know the great heartland of Thanksgiving, which is New England, um, and uh, you know feast and such.
0: Yeah, and turkey is underrated. I'm over I'm over people being over turkey.
1: Yeah, I'm over people being over things in general
0: yeah just enjoy life
1: yeah and i'm not here for it either i'm not here for anything i don't want want to hear it i don't want to hear what you're here for because i don't get it and it doesn't make any sense to me
0: yeah fair enough and on for that me. note yeah
1: until that day <laughs> no, comes
0: keep your ear to the keep your ear to the uh
1: earbuds give <laughs> your ear to the earbuds that's a quote for the <laughs> books we'll call it at that good night everyone